welcome to Fresh Pressed for January 19th, 2021. My name is Gabe. And my name is Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes and and sworn grooves. That's not bad. That's not bad because like sworn worn, um, like worn grooves, like you wear grooves into something. Oh, yes. That's I definitely intended that. I'm I'm that clever. You are so brilliant, Andrew. Your wordplay astonishes me at times. So our theme this week is oaths because, Andrew, Wednesday, which is the day after this podcast comes out, is Inauguration Day. And on that day, there will be oaths taken. Do you know the oath? Like the presidential oath of office? Yeah. Yeah, it's like to, um, you know... Cherish and I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know it either. I probably should have looked it up before uh, before even prompting that question, huh? Tell me about your oath song. This is a song called Under Oath, and it is by Felicity Groom. Christmas that I lay upon Lead all the way to where we've gone There's a world spinning So, Gabe, as I'm sure you can attest, the uh, search for a song about oaths uh, results in a whole lot of music that is not really the right fit for this program slash your or my taste. It's mostly metal. (laughs) It's it's mostly metal. Listen, metal is a totally valid genre of music. Yes, that's why I said it's just not it's just not a good fit for this podcast because you and I don't know anything about metal and don't enjoy listening to it. Yeah, I, we just can't talk meaningfully about metal in like yeah. in any way. Mm-mm. Yeah, well, okay. So, but you managed to find something that's not I mean, it's not exactly metal. No, it's I don't think it's metal at all. It's it's I would consider it rock and roll. Would you would you consider it well, rock no. and roll? No, I would not consider it rock and roll. You're right. I would consider it alternative rock. I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely not rock and, and roll. alternative roll. Fucking Chug Berry over here. Chug Berry. That's what they called me in college because of all of it was actually the Chug Beery. Wait, wait, that would have been a better one. Chug That's Chug Beery. Felicity Groom is a an is an Australian musician. About whom I know nothing, but she has a whole bunch of music. And uh, I think she's like somewhat popular in Australia, or at least Western Australia, which I guess is the part of Australia that she's from. Isn't she from like Perth? Uh, yes, she is from Perth. Is that in Western Australia? I guess so. I think so. I've said pretty much everything I know about her. She is from Australia and she's a musician. She's been writing songs since she was 11 years old. And she's now backed by local all-star band, The Black Black Smoke. Anyway, I was really struck by this because, uh, honestly, from the album cover, which is just sort of like her next to a car in the middle of fucking nowhere, Australia, the title of the album is Gossamer. And there are some other song titles on here that are like An Ache, Paper Strings, that I thought it was going to be very, like, soft and tender. And it's... It's not that it's not, but it isn't, you know? 
I mean, this song is not soft and tender. It really goes hard, and it and it really like it's much more expansive than I expected it to be. From judging a book by its cover, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I guess what I'm trying to say is don't do that because um, it doesn't. It's not. It's not good. I I don't know what this song is about. Um, I can't really tell what uh what the lyrics are, and I could not find them anywhere. Maybe she's just speaking in Australian. Who knows? But I just fucking loved it. Like I checked out a bunch of different songs about oaths and like we said a lot of them were metal and then a lot of them were just sort of meh and this was just so striking like there's so much stuff that happens in this song and i wish i could find more like information about her as a musician or this song as a song or this album even i haven't seen anything about this album this album's from 2011 she has more recent albums that have some more actual like write-ups on the internet, but I couldn't find anything about this one. That really frustrates me because I want to know more about her and, and more about uh, this song so that I can talk about it on a podcast I'm doing. It's like kind of maximalist in style. Yes. There's a lot going on, right? Um, Which is not often my like my tendency to go for a more maximalist piece of music, but I think uh, this one does it really, really well. There are two interesting like parts of the song that really stand out to me the first is the time signature the meter it's in six so for the listeners right uh, this means that each like defined unit of time in the song is broken up into six parts and that's unusual in most music but especially rock and roll yeah yeah i mean i think that contributes to that like maximalist feeling of it. It's not only are there all these timbres and textures and uh, instruments going on. It's also like every measure is like way longer than it needs to be. You know, it has this like expansive organizing principle from the top down. And then the actual instrumentation of the song is super cool. I particularly love the, the, that like section where you have like this crunchy violin duetting with an electric guitar yeah that's pretty cool the mixing on this song is also kind of interesting there's lots of hard panning that happens. Mm-hmm. Not like uh, like all the way to the left or all the way to the right, but, but like the guitar is set like far enough to the left that it's artificial sounding, right? Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, it, like you would never listen to some, like if you were in a room with you, it would never sound that far left. That's just another one of the, like we said, many things about this song that seems like a lot of things are being paid attention to and she makes a lot of big choices, you know? I mean, in some ways, minimalism and maximalism are like two sides of the same coin in that it's about taking care with every part of something. And it's just the way that you express, like the way that you uh, experiment with each of those parts. And uh, generally, like from top down, like I said, like an organizing principle, how you interact with, the various parts of music. And that's what make, makes this feel maximalist to me, like you said, is that 
she takes all of these so many parts and rather than simplifying certain parts so that others come through she it feels like she turns every single one up to the highest it can go and that's like i I feel like this song evolves over and over throughout the it's only like four minutes long and it feels like there's so many different parts to it um it just seems like it's expanding and expanding Gabe, do you solemnly swear that this song that you've brought here is the best possible song that you could have brought? You know, I thought you were going to make a Harry Potter reference. I rarely do. Yeah, it's not really your style. This song is titled Concrete Oaths by the Scottish band Admiral Fallow. And hear this crucible town that cooks up all its sighs and frowns and pastes them to my mirrors and my walls. Admiral Fallow is uh, based out of Glasgow and led by Lewis Abbott. Now here's something you'll like, Andrew. The group was originally called the Brother Lewis Collective. Which is a funny name pun, because as I just said, the group is led by Lewis Abbott. Oh, oh, I get it. It's like he's an Abbott. There are five other members of the band. Kevin Brawley, Philip Haig, Sarah Hayes, Joseph Rattray, and Stuart Goodall. So the song is released on Spotify as like this B-side, but the song originally was released as a fundraiser, like part of a fundraiser album to start up uh, a small independent venue in Glasgow called the Glad Cafe. Um, and the song is actually their first like released published music under the Admiral Fallow name. Hmm. And the Glad Cafe is, you know, again, a, a small independent venue, which we're always for. And they're still going strong. Um, they're surviving covid reasonably well it seems they've got some cool initiatives going they also do a lot of community work um through the glad foundation so if you're glaswegian you should uh check check out the glad cafe or if you're ever in glasgow sometime in the next um couple years (laughs) sometime in the next rest of your life um admiral fallow are still together as a band they're still making music um they've released three full-length albums the most recent i think was in 2015 um but again this kind of predates everything I think this is a really well-executed song. First of all, it's it's beautiful, and I enjoy Lewis Abbott's singing. And but there are just a number of nice touches that really stood out to me, um, and drew me to the song more than just like, oh, this is like the only good song I found. I was like, no, this is a song I really like. Also, first there's like a section of the song devoted to. Like the winds, um, it sounds like it's two clarinets. I don't know. It gives it something of a klezmerian feel. Mm. Although, yeah, is Scotland, that a word? Not klezmerian, klezmeresque. 
Where do what's our what's our preferred adjective? I don't know. I just, I mean, I was willing to believe that that was a real word. Well, I did make it up on the spot, but it could be a real word. Yeah. Just with like the prominence of the clarinets, which is a very common uh, motif in klezmer music. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a lovely little section where the guitar is um, playing the same note repeatedly, but or it's being played on two different strings. So each alternation has a slightly different timbre to the note. This it's the same note, right? But the, because the overtones are different, it creates like this very subtle shifting feel that's sort of happening in like the upper registers of your hearing. I can't go down. I can't go down. And then I like the lyrics, Andrew. Um and I like the way that they're sung. It's very, um, and maybe this is why you like it, but I, it it does. This song does have a cinematic feel to me, um, and specifically like a, a high fantasy movie. Maybe I don't know. It really feels like medieval, um, and magically so. Okay, I've never been to Scotland, but it feels like my conception of what Scotland is like, in that same way. Like, sort of medieval and fantastical with lots of, like, roaming Sheep. across the Scottish hills and highlands, you know? The braes, I think they call them. Actually, I don't know what a bray is. Is that a hill? Nobody tell I love this, particularly the lyrics of the song, this, like, re- section that gets repeated a couple times, but the first time, um, so, I can't go down to the shore to wade in till waist deep, wasting time. And then a time stretched years, my concrete oaths with the oaths section of that really drawn out the first time it's sung. Yeah. And whenever I hear like really drawn out lyrical sections or like something like that goes on longer than I expect, I always think about how uh, this is something that we've talked about before on the podcast about like songs holding on a little bit longer than you expect and that being Mm -hmm. uh, surprising and delightful. Something I love about this podcast is stumbling across a song or a band that's been around for a while, but they're like very tied to a single city or place. Like this, this band is like from Glasgow. There are like, they participated in getting this, cafe up and running this venue going you know mm-hmm. and they've done three albums but like you know i've never heard of them by any means prior to this but it sort of gives you a window into like a specific music scene where there are artists making great music and it like gives you a sense of the place yeah um and you know we t- we bring a lot of philly bands i think naturally um on this podcast and the reflection of those bands as a reflection of philadelphia is cool and as something I can recognize, um, and also stumbling across that same idea, but in places like in England or Scotland or any of the other various, or Australia even, right? Like, Yeah. Little glimpses of how music is a translation of people's world. So there it goes, the 
long shot six-figure salary The plan of self-esteem conquering I concur I'm done Boots, come find your place. So, Andrew, I was, you know, checking the date, and it's been a few months since the last big Thief-related release came out. I don't know. Have you heard anything from them? Adrian Lenker doing anything these days, or what's happening there? It's a weird segue. Uh, anyway, I have brought a song by Buck Meek of Big Thief from his new solo album, which is entitled Two Saviors. And the song is the last song on the album, and it's called Halo Light. The halo light was humble, our heather died, but tomorrow I'll buy roses. Nine hands high. Little forest, Jenny White, you tell the horses. Now, Gabe, I don't know if you know this, but either way, I, I need to admit something to both you and the listeners, which is that uh, there was a version of Halo Light that came out in 2019. Since I heard that song, I have been thinking about like, hmm, could we do an angel-themed episode or just light-themed? How could I bring this song to the podcast? And my prayers were answered by Buck Meek himself because he has put a new version of the song on his uh, brand new album. So I don't have to come up with some sort of theme in order to bring the song. I can just bring it as a new tune and talk about how much I love it. Um. And also, the other aspect of this is I really like this album as a whole, and I've always liked this song, like I said, but I don't think I would have brought it unless I liked this version more than the previous version, which which is in fact the case. Um, so I want to talk about both what I like about the song as a whole and what I like about the the changes that he made from the previous recording to this one. Yes, fortunately, I did listen to the other version. Good. Um, so uh, first, real quick, Buck Meek is, uh, like Gabe so elegantly uh, implied with his segue. Thank you. Is uh, one of the members of the band Big Thief. He and Adrian Lenker, who if you've listened to this podcast anytime in the last couple of months, you should probably know about. They're the main sort of songwriting force behind the band and they've been songwriting partners uh, since before the band was formed so uh, this is his second solo album he had a self-titled a few years ago yeah it's just really cool that I mean Big Thief just keeps putting out so much music as a band and as individual people I want to read this uh, thing that he has on his website because you know that I love it when a musician writes some ludicrous run-on sentence about uh, their music. So, Buck Meek's songs are for the lost dogs of honest mechanics, good guys and girls born into a life of crime, runaways, snow spirits, the ghosts of Central Park, 
unsung diving board stars, the affection shared through gambling, and so on. <laughs> it ends with and so on? It ends with and so on, which is the most ludicrous part of that sentence. You know, other stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the idea. <laughs> yeah. Now, it does summon a specific energy, which I do think that this song and the album does carry out. Oh, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's my favorite thing about, I, I don't say that derisively, that like I like when a musician writes a ludicrous run-on sentence about themselves. I think that's great because more often than not, it really does successfully summarize what their vibe is, both like explicitly and in. Let's talk about Halo Light. This is a very simple song. It's two verses, um, which are made up of like eight or eight lines, like four pairs of lines each, and those are all used basically the same melody. And then a chorus after each verse that's the same chorus twice. And the lyrics, I think, are deceptively simple, or maybe it's just that the delivery is sort of deceptively laid back. Like, it feels, and I feel this way about uh, this whole album, it feels so casual almost, but there is so much depth to the lyrics and so much so much clear intention if you pay attention to it, but it, it doesn't necessarily, it's it doesn't feel like he's, beating you over the head with like, look how smart I am and how clever, how insightful I am about things, you know? Which can, it can sometimes feel that way when an artist writes overly complicated lyrics. It's gorgeous poetry. It really is. It is. Without even being set to music, it's it's stunning. Yeah, let's talk about it as poetry for a second because there's a couple aspects to it. Both, there is a sonic aspect to his poetry here that I really adore, but it is not limited to the sonic aspect of it. You know, like there are some poets who are focused mostly on the way that things sound and and the sort of general vibe that you get from something rather than making some kind of analysis or realization, and some people are the reverse, and there's nothing wrong with either of those approaches. Some people can do both at the same time, and that doesn't make it inherently better, but that's something that I certainly very much respect and enjoy about Buck Meek's songwriting. So I, I want to look at um, a couple key lines in this. There's a lot of consonants, um, willow walls entwine you. I love that line. And then that the way that he rhymes things is is more than he needs to, right? So that willow walls entwine you rhymes with, I found the hole you climbed through. There's there's so much rhyme throughout it and so much alliteration and, and consonants throughout. But also, there are these themes that are woven in between all of these lines. And I think this this first verse, uh, maybe if I, if I read some more of it, you'll understand what I mean. There's this uh, theme of like flowers and just like the, just the natural world that, that is woven between these lines that are connected not to adjacent lines but to separate ones so this first verse i'm just going to read it in full the halo light was humble our heather died but tomorrow i'll buy roses nine hands high little forest oh jenny why did you tell the horses willow walls entwine you your mother called we spoke for seven hours i found the hole you climbed through but it's too small to follow with the flowers 
sounds beautiful, but there's this just really like deft, I, I keep saying weaving, weaving that he's doing here. At the beginning, he says, you know, our Heather died, but tomorrow I'll buy roses. And then brings that back at the end after talking about seemingly completely unrelated things like horses. Uh, I found the hole you climbed through, but it's too small to follow with the flowers. So that's still like he still has he's still holding the roses from earlier in the verse that you may have forgotten about. What makes it even more to me Mm -hmm. is then coming back in the second verse and doing something similar with the natural world, but this time with birds mm-hmm. rather than with flowers. And, and, and instead of, you know, uh, roses and and willow walls and flowers, right, we get warblers and robins and sparrows. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful parallelism between the two verses in that way and ties the whole song together with that kind of natural theme well hold off on saying it ties the whole song together because i have one last uh step back to take which is in the context of the choruses then you can go back to each of these verses and see why he's talking not just like how he is talking about all of these things and 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 like what he's talking about and how he relates them to one another but why all of these roses and sparrows are important to talk about in the context of this song the chorus is but all our love remains so why do we feel sorrow pain came and seasons departed our bodies left alone all our love will stay to live again tomorrow and that clarifies immediately what this song is really about which is falling out of love with someone in a maybe in a romantic sense but not in a a deeper personal sense just that you are in love with this per you love this person and that love stays with you and it it's not dead it's it's not gone in the past it is alive again every single day but it is different now and that's why there's in the first verse our heather died but tomorrow i'll buy roses it's like these these flowers are passing but they come again in another form in the second verse, woke at dawn, reminded of secret songs by the warbler and the robin. Reminded of secret songs, meaning they're in the past. But then that's connected to uh, these sparrow- the sparrows mourn your leaving with silent rises in their breasts. But it goes back into the chorus, but all our love remains. So it, it's, it's not just this careful use of images and sound and then putting that into this complex web that he's weaving uh in the way that the lines are arranged, all of those choices are in service of the larger meaning and emotion behind the song. It's just so incredible when a song that feels so effortless, like this one does, has so much depth to it. I find it so rewarding to listen to it and absorb little bits of that through each listen, um, and it makes me keep coming back to it. Forget dawn, reminded of secret songs by the warbler and the robin. I thought I heard you humming in broken tongues through the curtain. I do want to quickly talk about the difference between this version and the previous version. The most 
notable part is is like just the very beginning the way that it opens um there's some like cymbal splashes and and more prominent drum stuff it feels a little rougher around the edges in like a a, like i don't want to say harsher because it doesn't feel harsh but it feels a little less gentle in the original version um whereas this is really layered guitar just softness and it never really rises um i like the instrumentation this better i think it 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 serves the song a little better and then the other major difference which i find really interesting and maybe this is mostly as someone who also writes songs is in the original version it ends on that last chorus and the song ends like within seconds of that it just finishes out that little phrase of the music and it's over whereas in this there's this little like maybe 30 second coda of just guitar extending the ending and it still ends on like not a totally like it doesn't end on a button like it still is kind of um a little bit trickles away which is a is a style of ending a song that i love but i think adding that little coda is what i'm calling it um makes the song feel more complete and makes it feel more in line to, in, in my mind at least with the sentiment of the song of of that last line all our love will stay to live again tomorrow. By adding that little coda, he makes it feel more true. Like, like it's not just he hopes or he expects that the love will stay. It's that he knows it will. It's just always really interesting to me when an artist makes changes to their music Um even if they're very small changes. And this just really struck me. This version feels more complete in some sense, yeah. and I think in part because of the the reasons you mentioned. The, the, the original cut sounds more like a demo, in which yeah. it sort of was, right? Like, and this is the album, and this has been refined. I wanted to point out one other little change that I noticed that a lot of care goes into making something and a lot mm. of thought. And... Sometimes the instinct of somebody who's doing a criticism of art, especially like, you know, somebody without a lot of experience or, or like a high schooler is like, oh, not, not all of this was intended. This is just like off the cuff. But that's rarely true. Uh, much like great literature, great songs have been really carefully considered, everything. And one other change is that in the second verse, the line I said, I thought I heard you humming in broken tongues through the curtain, in the original cut, it's, I swore I heard you humming. Mm. A single word change. But but that goes along with your whole thing of, like, this is a, a gentler version of that song. Yeah. Like, swore is such a strong word in comparison to just, I thought. Right. It, it has an implied, like, disagreement in there, right? Like, there you have to be like, I heard this person humming and someone else says, no, you didn't. And you say, no, I swear I did. Whereas just, I thought I heard you humming is just this single image that has no conflict tied to it. I think, I think that's a really good point. I didn't even notice that, but you're right. It's, it's a subtle little change.
you've got a new tune and I want to know if you think I liked this album. I think you probably liked 50% of the songs on this record. You're wrong. I really fucking like this album. Hell yeah, that's great. So, the song is titled Danger Baby from the band named Pompoco off their brand new release, Cheater. This album is raucous. I don't really know. I, I guess that's maybe the, the term I would use. It is glittering and crazy and fun and all over the place and vibrant. I, I just thought it was such a splash of energy, and I really enjoyed it. Andrew, are you familiar with Pompoco, the movie? Uh, No, I was not familiar with it being a movie at all. Yeah, so the band is named Pompoco, but there's also a 1994 film named Pompoco okay. for which the band is named. Interesting. Pompoco is a Studio Ghibli film. It's not a Miyazaki movie, though, is it? It's not directed by Miyazaki, but he contributed to the writing of the film. Okay. Studio Ghibli is his studio, right? So right, right. He's involved, but not. Quickly, the the blurb on IMDb for the film is a community of magical shape-shifting raccoon dogs struggle to prevent the oh. forest home from being destroyed by urban development. Okay. Which fits Sounds the good. general Studio Ghibli theme of yeah. <laughs> uh, saving the environment. Now, <laughs> what I found fascinating uh, in an interview with them, they named themselves Pompoko before ever seeing the movie. This is, an, uh, this is a Norwegian band. Pompoko, um, consisting of Roggenhild Fangel, Martin Miguel Tan, Jonas Krovel, and Ola Djupvik. Please excuse my Scandinavian. They, they've been playing together. The, these four people had been like making music together and doing like improv music together for like a little while, and they decided to sign up as a demo band for like a literary event in Trondheim called Trondheim Calling, and they had to put down a band name. So the lead singer, Roggenhild Fangel, decided to just like pull up the Studio Ghibli page and picked a movie. Oh, okay. And then okay. they signed up for the event under that name because they didn't have a name yet. And then they were like, you know, if we're going to call ourselves this, we should probably go see it. Yeah, <laughs> And then watched it's... it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in case somebody's like, oh, wow. And they're like, yeah, sure, raccoon dogs. But they were approving then and decided to keep okay. the name, obviously. This song, Danger Baby, and the whole album really vividly oops, and the whole album really vividly remind me of like the Bitta Orca era Dirty Projectors. Yeah, yes. Both between the vocals, but also kind of the all over the place of the music and yeah. the the really wide range in like notes. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but like big intervals um, that Dirty Projectors had a lot of. In particular, like this guitar that is like very characteristic in this song is crazy, like sliding all over the place and sparkly and wild and, you know, interplaying with 
Fongle's vocals, which are just fun, I guess. <laughs> they have a couple music videos, um, and one of the ones from this album is just like, they're all dressed up in drag. First, the band is dressed in, they all are wearing fake beards and mustaches, and then they're all dressed in long-haired wigs and dresses. Um, and like that sort of dichotomy that's like explosive in this music video also kind of is the feel of this song, even though it's not the music video for the song, but it's like the feel of the song. Like you have these alternating sections where things are coming and going. Um, and is probably one of the more chill songs on the album. The thing about, I think a lot of this album is that like, there are moments of chill and there are more, but there, there are, there are a lot of moments of mania, but there are also some moments of chill is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and the, even just within this song, right, you get the alternation between the up and the more down sounds. I had trouble parsing the lyrics to this song just between everything that's happening in the instrumentals and, and with Swedish accented English, mm-hmm. excuse me, with Norwegian accented English. <laughs> well, it could be Swedish accented. We don't know. Well, they are Norwegian, so probably. Yeah, Norwegian but then maybe they were, maybe they were speaking Swedish. Um, but you know, in the blurb that they have, well, like the small, like little sentence they have about this, uh, uh, song on their band camp, they talk about, this being about irrational fears, and I gather it seems to be like maybe the irrational fear of not being good enough for somebody or letting them down is sort of how I feel. The band and the album and the song all have great energy, and I think the record is a good pick-me-up if you're feeling a little low here in the middle of January. Dog days of winter. Um, There was another reason why I really like this album. Do you know why, Gabe? I do not know why. Why did you really like this album? It's a song called Andrew. Oh, there's a song called Andrew. I did notice that I was almost, I was like, well, I'm going to just bring that song, even if it's not my favorite <laughs> song, because it'll be fun. But it was released as a single. Yeah, it's Bummer, not eligible. <laughs> Andrew, this felt like the first like real music week of the year. Yeah, this felt this felt like three real music weeks of the year. For I mean, I don't know about you, but I had a lot of stuff to listen to. The first thing that I want to talk about actually came out last week, but I missed it because I'm a dumbass. Um, it's an album that I was looking forward to and thought it was coming out this week, but it came out last week, and that's uh, Aaron Fraser's introducing. Uh, if you have listened to the episode that we did after Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed, I brought a song called Court of Love by uh, Duran Jones and the Indications. And uh, Aaron Fraser is right. a part of that band. He sang that song, Court of Love. Um, and his debut album came out last weekend. And it's really great. Um, I was enamored by the record 
from Pearl Charles called Magic Mirror. I thought it was uh, a lovely bit of like alternative country. Um, it does open with a song that sounds, in the words of my dear partner Leah, like reverse mm-hmm. ABBA. Reverse ABBA is just ABBA. It's a it's a palindrome. But uh, once you get through that, I think it becomes much more. I mean, it's a fun song, but it's like kind of feels weirdly out of place. Um, and then the rest of the album's great. Um, when I came across her, Spotify was like, "Oh, this is an artist that people like uh, if they like Jess Williamson, who you know, I've <laughs> talked about several times." I was like, "Ah, shit." Yeah. Uh, there was a cool album by Dave Scanlon called Pink in Each, Bright Blue, Bright Green. That's on the Whatever's Clever label. So I heard about it because I got an email from Ben Saratan about it. It's very cool. Uh, I don't know anything about Dave Scanlon, but apparently he's in a bunch of other bands. And some of his stuff is a lot more experimental. And this is more straightforward. Although there is still some weird stuff in it. So it, it uh, it's there's something. It's fun for the whole family. There was a jazz-esque I don't really know jazz fusion record that came out uh, this week by Apifera an Israeli band um, that record's called Overstand my friend Tom Cox put out an EP under the name Tron Weasley it's called Magnetic Router Sounds Volume 1 it's great it ranges from the more upbeat sort of beeps and boops upbeep you might call it um, to like some full on like very spacey levitating ambient stuff. Um, within like the thirteen minutes of its runtime, it's great. Tron Weasley. Um, I actually haven't listened to this album, but I have to mention it. I had <laughs> okay. forgotten that it was coming out this week and noticed it like a half an hour before we were gonna record, and I was like, "Shit, I don't have time." Um, but Hospital Bracelet who I brought oh. uh, a couple months ago, put out their album, South Loop Summer, that includes the song Happy Birthday. There is uh, an album by Patricia Brennan called Makwishti, which is a solo vibraphone record. And I what? thought it was great. So check it out if that sounds like something you would listen to. Well, that's our show for the week. You can find us on Twitter at Fresh Press Pod. Give us a follow. Andrew's sometimes tweeting nonsense there. We are supposed to have a place of this music on Spotify in the show notes, mm-hmm. but I don't think I gave that to Andrew last week. So You didn't. And I looked at your Spotify page and you didn't have one posted publicly, so I figured you hadn't made it yet. Yeah, that has since been rectified. Okay, um, great. And, I, I, and it'll be at the show notes this week. And then Andrew and I will be back on January 26th with more tunes and more grooves. But for now, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And you've been listening to Fresh Pressed. <laughs>